Thank you, church, for your wonderful care. Uh, what a blessed couple days. What a wonderful testimony. Uh, you took just such great care of us. Um, the hotel was, was great. Uh, in fact, Darlene and I spent uh, yesterday evening crocheting. Uh, you know, <laughs> I tried to get her to go hiking, and she, she just, you know. But seriously, uh, just took care of all of our needs, uh, the meals, the just the spirit. Thank you so much. Uh, what an honor to be invited to preach. Um, it's a privilege, and I thank the Lord for that, and I give the Lord uh, all the honor and glory, but uh, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for uh, the messages, fellow preachers. Uh, you talk about emotional. Uh, wow. Uh, our spirits are stirred, and that's a good thing. And uh, I think that probably that doesn't happen enough. Uh, so praise the Lord for that. Thank you for all the specials and the singing. Wow. Uh, just, a, just a blessing. Good to be in the Lord's house. Uh, this morning, I don't want to try to build on another man's work, um, Brother Justin. I did, I did feel impressed by the Lord to bring this message today. Uh, so you, you kind of got a little bit into a few of the verses by way of encouragement yesterday, but repetition is the mother of learning, so that's a good thing. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 12, and we're going to be in verses 12 and 13 for our text verses. And I will tell you that we will be looking at all of the preceding verses in Hebrews chapter number 12 uh, as part of the message. So in Hebrews chapter number 12, we're going to read verses 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. The title of the message this morning is Lifting Up the Weary. As we've already heard during the services, God's people are susceptible to becoming weary. We experience mental, emotional, spiritual discouragement. We can become despondent and defeated. And I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. And I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews to a group of Hebrew Christians. And in many ways, the group that he wrote to epitomized what Christians today endure. This world is not our home. And it is not a friendly place for the child of God. And if we are not careful, we can be like these Hebrew believers. Their condition was not good. Irving Jensen, who wrote a wonderful work on Old and New Testament survey, he describes the condition of the Hebrew believers in this way. They had a fainting spirit, dying enthusiasm, and dullness of hearing. There was an emergency of the hour. Paul wrote, I believe, the book of Hebrews to rekindle a dampened fire. 
Now, our text verses, verses 12 and 13, are nestled in a passage where we are encouraged, believers are encouraged on how we can prevent becoming weary and how we can correct it if we are weary. And might I say that what the writer, if you don't believe it's Paul, that that's fine. I believe it's Paul. I believe what he's doing is he is telling us that we are to be lifting up hanging hands, feeble knees, and lame feet. Now, we can become discouraged, despondent, and defeated just like these Hebrews. How do we deal with that? And I thought about the topic of encouragement and all that, that this church has gone through in the past few years and the loss. And certainly what's going on with Brother Hilly right now and the difficulty uh, with all of that situation and following the prayer requests and the updates. And then, of course, looking at the situation in our world in which we live. We do need to be encouraged. Amen. We do need to be lifted up. How do we deal with such discouragement, despondency, and defeat? Well, very simply, by lifting up hanging hands, feeble knees, and lame feet, by lifting up the weary. So I would like for us, for our remaining time here, to examine these verses in Hebrews to help us do just that, to lift up the weary. And I want us to take note of three keys, I believe, that we see here that will help us lift up the weary. The first key. We must learn from Paul how to communicate with the weary. We secondly need to look to the context of what is written for the causes of weariness. Because I believe that we see that in chapter number 12. And then thirdly, we must lift up by how we are commanded with the weary. He says in verse number 12, lift up. Those hands, those feet, those knees. And so this morning, I hope that we can focus on lifting up the weary. Notice the first key. We have a lesson here that we're to learn from how Paul communicates his concern and how we're to communicate with the weary. There's a design in how Paul is writing and encouraging them. And I want you to note that he uses metaphors to communicate. And this is often the case in the use of Scripture. Metaphors are used to help us understand what the spiritual topic is. A.W. Pink wrote, The apostle transferred unto members of our physical body the condition in which the faculties of our souls are liable to fall under certain trials. And these are figurative expressions denoting the tendency to abandon the discharge of our Christian duty because of the opposition encountered. And so, as we think about the metaphors that the Apostle Paul is using as he encourages us and exhorts us and, I say, commands us to lift up the weary, think first of all about this metaphor, hanging hands. He says in verse 12, Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down. These are hanging hands. What is he talking about? Well, if you're familiar with the writings of the Apostle Paul, he often used the illustration or the metaphor 
of a boxer, of a fighter. And when a boxer or a fighter becomes tired from throwing punches, their hands begin to hang down. Now what happens when their hands begin to hang down? They are no longer able to protect themselves from the adversary's punches. They are susceptible to getting hit. And yes, being defeated. For those of you that are a bit older, you remember perhaps the famous boxing match in 1974 referred to as the Rumble in the Jungle. Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, versus George Foreman. And Ali had this strategy that he was going to use against Foreman. Now, Foreman was a big behemoth of a man, and his forte was knocking people out. He liked to punch. And so Ali came up with this strategy called the rope-a-dope. And what he was going to do is he was going to lay against the ropes, protecting himself, and let George Foreman punch himself out. You know what happened? In the eighth round, Ali knocked Foreman out because Foreman did exactly what Ali thought he would do. He punched himself out. And when he punched himself out, he was no longer able to hold up his hands to defend himself. Paul uses this illustration that we as God's people can be so busy in what we're doing that we become weary. That our hands from throwing punches in whatever way the Lord is using us, in whatever fashion the Lord is using us, that our hands begin to hang down. And when our hands begin to hang down, we begin to get hit by the enemy. Do not forget that we have an adversary. Do not forget that your adversary, the devil, goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour or gulp down. We have the enemy of our own flesh that is perhaps our own worst enemy. And then we have society or the world that is no friend of the believer. We are susceptible to getting beat up. Now, I know there's no one here that's ever felt that way. Okay, but let me tell you, if you're living and alive and you're not of the world, but you're in the world, you can relate. To what the writer is talking about. Those hanging hands. And then he talks about. And he uses this metaphor. As there's communication. For the concern of the weary. And how we ought to communicate with them. As Paul uses these metaphors. He, he mentions not only hanging hands. But he mentions feeble knees. Wherefore lift up the hands. Which hang down. And the feeble knees. This signifies. That through the proacted use of the muscles and the legs, the runner, and that's another metaphor that the Apostle Paul uses, that the runner can become debilitated by the nervous energy that is spent. Marathon runners, and I don't know if we have any runners here, but if any of you have done any running whatsoever, uh, you know, particularly if you run a marathon, you know that you're going to hit the wall. And that term, hitting the wall is synonymous when your legs are depleted of what is referred to as glycogen. And you just don't have anything to go on. That's what I always say. Glycogen. It's glycogen. (laughs) 
the fatigue that comes from that. The, the, the feeling that you cannot go another step. Sometimes we're there, aren't we? Sometimes we experience that. We feel the fatigue. And of course, the negativity that comes with that. For somebody who's participated in marathons, if you know anything about them, uh, you do not want to get a DNF. A DNF means did not finish. You want to complete the race. Whether you have to walk or crawl or if you're able to run, whatever the case may be, you want to complete the race. You want to run the race that is set before you and finish the race. Paul says, listen, we ought to be focused on lifting up the weary because the weary is us. And we are going to experience situations where we have hanging hands, where we have feeble knees. And then how about this? In verse number 13 here, he says, And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. He mentions lame feet. Lame feet. The word lame means halt or limping. It can lead to crippling. Now, one who is lame is normally not someone who can run in a race. I believe what Paul is doing here is he is equating some defect of the of the legs to defects in our soul's graces that would cause us to be unfit to discharge our Christian duty. And, you know, sometimes we want to do what we know we should do. But as Solomon mentioned in the book of Ecclesiastes, sometimes the iron's blunt. Sometimes there's no sharpness to the axe. Sometimes we're going through the motions. And preachers, you know as well as I do that we must be on guard against that. We do not enter the pulpit in the arm of flesh. We pray for God's guidance on how we should feed the people of God. And we desire with every fiber of our being to do it not as we're putting on a performance or anything of the sort, but that we preach the Word of God in truth so that God might use the Word of truth and feed the souls of His people. And there are times when the iron becomes blunt, when we are weary, when we are running on empty, when we are trying to do our best, and the feet are lame. We need to understand that this happens to believers. That it isn't some odd thing, you know. And when Isaac was reading the verses this morning, think it not strange concerning what's going to happen to you. These are things that we experience as believers. And I think sometimes, and Brother Justin, you touched on this yesterday in your message on encouragement. I think sometimes we forget that we are human beings. We forget that we are but flesh and bone and blood and that we're not supernatural creatures yes we are more than conquerors but we got to sometimes be lifted up when we're weary so paul is communicating this concern for the weary in using these metaphors and you and i ought to glean from that we ought to be on the lookout for those that are weary And we ought to be aware that sometimes we ourselves can be weary. That's the first key. 
to lifting up the weary. But there's a second key. We ought to look to the context of what is written here in Hebrews chapter number 12 uh, for the causes of weariness. What can lead to weariness? Why is it that we are in the danger of becoming weary and fainting and giving up? Well, I want you to notice what Paul writes in the very, fir- the very first word in verse 12. And of course, again, I completely agree with what Brother Stephen preached the other night the, as Paul penned scripture by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he didn't put in chapter divisions. He didn't put in verse divisions. Uh, and so it's important for us to note what is being said uh, by the words. He says, wherefore. The very first word is wherefore. Well, what he's doing is he's looking back to all that he has previously written in these verses. And really, if we were going to go back to the entirety of the wherefore, I believe it's the entire book of Hebrews, but I want us to focus on the immediate context in chapter number 12. Now, yesterday in the message, we we mentioned some some terms that perhaps might be a little intimidating for folks like hermeneutics and and exegesis and things like that. But if you if you've had any uh, experience at all in how to study the Bible, you know, this is true. Context is king context. We don't rip verses out of context. If it does not fit, you must omit. Right? And so context. Why does Paul write in the midst of metaphorically describing the weary? Why does he say wherefore? Why does he begin with wherefore? Because we need to look at what was before. And think about reasons and causes of weariness. You can never help fix a problem if you don't know the cause of the problem. Oh, I've got a headache. Well, here, take some aspirin or some ibuprofen. Well, you you might have an issue, right? You might want to get it checked out. So what are the causes of weariness by way of the context? And there are three of them that I believe that Paul focuses on here in Hebrews chapter number 12. And we're going to go all the way back to verses 1 and 2 in Hebrews chapter number 12. Notice, first of all, in verses 1 and 2, One of the causes of weariness can be transgression. Transgression. Now watch. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That's chapter 11, right? Great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Do you see how Paul again is drawing on those metaphors? Lay aside every weight. Now I have been blessed by God. I have run a few marathons in my lifetime. And I'm going to tell you this. When it was race day, in time for the marathon, I didn't say, where can I find a vest with 40 pounds on it so I can put that on while I run the marathon? That's completely, yes, I'm completely sure, okay? That's completely idiotic, okay? We, 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 don't, we don't put extra on us. We discard, right? And so Paul is using this metaphor. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Why? 
so that we might run the race with patience that the Lord has for us, that the Lord has set before us. Now, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. How can we lay aside the weights and the sin that so easily besets us through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Looking unto the author and finisher of our faith. Like he who hath begun a good work in you will complete and finish that work. We attribute our salvation entirely from start to finish to the Lord God Almighty. We, yes, we did repent of our sins and by faith trusted in Christ. But that was only because those were inseparable graces and gifts that were imparted into us. And we look to Jesus Christ who is the ultimate example for the believer and the ultimate power behind our ability to walk in any way that is pleasing unto the Lord. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Do you know that your besetting sin, and I believe that that, that is not taken singularly. Like, oh, I have a besetting sin. Look, we all have different backgrounds, and your besetting sin is not my besetting sin. We were all raised differently. We all have different backgrounds. And you know the enemy knows exactly how to attack you? The enemy knows how to bring to your mind, oh yeah, you know that besetting sin that you struggle with? The enemy knows how to point out to you when you falter, and, and, and beloved, I, I trust I'm not talking about any open notorious sin. But the sins of the heart. Out of the heart proceeds thefts, adulteries, and murders, and the like such. And the enemy knows how to attack us. And when we are, we are wearied through transgression, uh, we, can, we can be down and we need to be lifted up. Yes, we need to be corrected, but we don't need to be kicked. The Bible tells us that the children of God experience captivity because of their sinful transgressions. And listen to this description in Ezekiel chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. In Ezekiel chapter 7, verses 16 and 17, the Lord is describing what it will be like for those in the captivity. He says, But they that escape of them shall escape, and shall be on the mountains like doves of the valleys, all of them mourning every one for his iniquity. And then verse 17, All hands shall be feeble, and all knees shall be weak as water. You see, that transgression and the awareness of that transgression can bring weariness and faintness to our lives. And we need to be lifted up. It's not only transgressions. But notice in uh, Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 3 and 4, it's tribulation. Transgression, but tribulation can also lead to weariness. Now, we just read verse 2 where we are drawn to the testimony of Jesus Christ, who was in all points tempted like as we are, and yet was without sin. Jesus Christ, uh, undefiled and, and harmless and innocent and pure. Uh, notice what the Bible says about tribulations as Paul builds on the testimony of Christ. He says in verse 3, 4, consider him. 
that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. He is literally instructing how to avoid this weariness and this faintness because of trials and tribulations that can come our way. In verse 4, he writes, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Christ Jesus, who was by wicked hands taken and crucified and slain. Make no mistake about it, Jesus Christ was murdered. This, this was a textbook murder. Yeah. Now, we, all, we know the purpose of God and that He was delivered by the determinate counsel of God. We understand all that. We know why Christ came. But yet, humanly speaking, this was a murder. This was a setup. Christ did nothing wrong. They conspired to find some charges that would result in the death penalty. And that's what they did. They murdered Jesus Christ. And you look at the testimony of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, you have not suffered like Christ. You you have not gone through the trials and tribulations that Christ went through. You've not resisted yet unto blood. Do not be wearied and and weakened in your minds. This group was was apparently, the group that Paul's writing to was apparently subject to to persecutions and afflictions. You can't help but get that from reading the word. And Christianity in that day, uh, if you were a Christian, you were, you were living as a branded criminal. Especially Jews that had, quote unquote, apostatized from Judaism to Christianity. Paul focused on this a little bit earlier in the book of Hebrews when he wrote in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 and verse 33. He says, but call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Verse 33, partly whilst ye were were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. If there's something... That will lead to weariness here in this life. It's, it's trials and tribulations. And we all have them. And we experience them in different areas of our lives. Some of us experience them in, in our, our jobs. Some of the, us experience them in our families. Some of us experience them, when I say our families, perhaps our immediate family. Or our extended family. But we all have trials and tribulations. There are health needs that we go through. And man, listen, you could be the healthiest person on earth. You could work out every day. You could take care of which I think we should, right? We ought to be wise stewards. And yet, it doesn't guarantee you that you're not going to have health trials and tribulations. We are susceptible to these things. And and, and we are told that we are not to allow these things. In in verse number 3 here, that we're not to be wearied and faint in our minds because of them. What are the causes of weariness? Transgression, sin in our life, tribulations. And then lastly, notice here verses 5 through 11, what I like to refer to as our training. Our training. Because read with me verses 5 through 11. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor, what's that word? Faint. 
nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now, I choose the word training because we as God's people are not punished. God doesn't punish us. But here's what he does. He chastens us. And you know why he chastens us? Because he's training us. He's trained just like a just like a godly father and mother will chasten their children, not because they want to do harm to their children, but because they love their children and they want to train their children. You don't do it to punish your children. God doesn't punish us. He trains us. And, and Paul is saying, when you go through this training process, yes, it is going to be painful. See, that's biblical when your, your dad or your mom say, you know, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt me more than you. Right. You know, I mean, and we, we see we see that there's some some pain involved in this process. OK. And, and Paul is saying, do not faint. He says in verse number six, but whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily... For a few days chastened us after their own pleasure for their own purpose. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Man, listen, we're going to go through some training here on this earth. The word chastening literally means discipline. It refers to the whole process of training, and in particular, the education of our children. You ever get yourself in a situation where you are experiencing the training and the chastening of the Lord, and and you begin to you begin to doubt, man, man, everything that's going on. Am I really a child of God? I mean, does, would, would where is God in all of this? And I realize that that might sound blasphemous to you, but read the book of Job. Okay, there are times in our lives where our flesh gets the best of us and we begin to wonder and the enemy begins to work on us. And we're man, what is going on? And we are weary. And you know what we need when we're weary? We need to be lifted up. Paul is writing and he says, hey, look, because of all of these things. All of these causes of weariness in verse 13, he or verse 12, he says, wherefore lift them up, lift them up. That leads us to our our third key. We are to lift up by the commanded conduct. We are to lift up the weary by the commanded conduct. Again, wherefore? That Paul uh, wrote in verse number 12. Wherefore? It, it means in view of what has been said. Because of what has been given to you in preceding considerations, there should be a certain course of conduct that ought to follow. And that course of conduct is to lift up. Have you ever heard of the elevator principle? The elevator principle. Here's the elevator principle. Okay. There are some people in your life that will lift you up. And there are others that will take you down. It's the elevator principle. 
Don't be the person that takes people down. Yeah, you ever you ever get to church and you know and 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 I'm thinking not of anything recent. I've pastored a couple different churches. And, you know, and I'd get to church and there'd be this person that you know there's a scowl on their face. <laughs> You're at the Lord's house. Did I do something to offend you? No, it's just your very existence that offends me. You know, I mean, like I can I can lift you up or I can bring you down. There's enough people in our lives to bring us down. Remember the elevator principle. Lift people up instead of bringing them down. Now, all of what Paul wrote proceeding in verse number 12, and I say even going back in the in the book, it, it leads us to this conclusion that we are we are not only exhorted and admonished by Paul, but we are commanded to lift up. Notice he says in verse number 12, wherefore lift up. This is the Greek word anortho, anortho. And it means to set up, to make erect. And it has the idea of a deformed person who is made right. It means to build anew. In Luke chapter number 13, there's an account of where the Lord heals this woman of 18 years who had been bowed down. And you can just kind of get the visual in your mind. She's bowed down. She comes to the Lord. And what did the Lord do? The Lord made her straight. He straightened her up. And that word straight is anortho. It means to straighten up. It means to remedy. It, It signifies to elevate, to lift up. We are to, we are to lift up. We are to make sure that those that need lifted up can look to us. It's funny because, you know, whenever I'm around somebody and they got to get up and they got to appear in public and primarily with our lay witnesses at trials and so forth. Oh, they're so nervous. You know, you got a jury sitting over here. You got a judge. You got a court reporter, the bailiff. You got defense counsel and the defendant. You got the prosecution. You got ladies and gentlemen in the gallery watching and they're nervous. And I tell them, I say, look. I'm on your team. When you get up there, you look at me, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to smile at you. And I'm going to say, good morning, Mr. Duke. Would you please introduce yourself to the jury? And I'm going to make you feel like it's just me and you in that room. I'm your friend. I'm going to lift you up. Now, if you don't testify correctly, I'm going to bring you down. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing about that. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But... We gotta lift people up. Orthopedics is a branch of medicine that focuses on the care of our joints and ligaments that help us stand. And we're supposed to be spiritual doctors, if you will. We're supposed to help people with their orthopedics. We're to lift up. But notice, not just lift up, generally speaking, but we're to lift up ourselves. Now, oh, you can't say that. We we're, we're, we believe in the sovereignty of God. You can't say lift up yourself. Don't get all weird on me, okay? <laughs> I'm not talking about our own strength or our own power. Man, listen, I believe in the sovereignty of God in creation and salvation. And, and he that saved us will keep us by his power. This is not by our power. But what I want us to understand is that... that God has given us the tools by which we might lift up ourselves. 
We are to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We don't approach this by our own strength. We're to look to Jesus for strength. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2, Paul writes, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, you know what? He's not only set down at the right hand of the throne of God, but he stands at the right hand of the throne of God. And he ever liveth to make intercession. And by the Lord's grace, we can't lift up ourselves. We can be in the word of God and praying to God, knowing in our own condition that we become weary. We need to be lifted up. Lord, lift me up. We can do that. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 31, the scripture says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. We ought to be lifting up ourselves. It's good to depend on others, but we got to learn. we got to learn to seek our own needs from the Lord. And we also need to be lifting up others. So we lift up ourselves, and then this is the... This is the crux of what the scriptures talk about. Lifting up others in verse number 13 of Hebrews chapter number 12. It says, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. We must be careful that our discouragement and our despondency does not negatively affect others. You know what you do affects others. We do not live in a vacuum. You know, if, if people can see your countenance, they know by looking at you, if you're a certain way most of the time and you're this way this time, something, hey, what's wrong? Something's wrong. We need to be careful. John Owen, <laughs> I can't read John Owen and, and I, unless I come around thinking, maybe I'm not saved. <laughs> you know, John Owen talked about the mortification of the flesh and man, I'll tell you what, whoo, but a great writer. And uh, he wrote this. It is our duty not only to be found in the ways of God in general, but to take care that we walk carefully, circumspectly, uprightly, and diligently in them. Hereon depends our own peace and all our usefulness towards others. It is a sad thing when some men's walk in the ways of God shall deter others from them or turn them out of them. I love what you said yesterday, brother. And You know, why would I want what you have? You look miserable. Yeah. We need to be careful that we're not that we're not deterring others. We are to actively seek to lift up others. Now, Job had a few. We'll we'll call them friends, but they were miserable comforters. Right. In the elevator principle, they didn't lift Job up. They brought him down. Okay. And one of those guys, Eliphaz, even Eliphaz understood Job's righteous testimony when it came to lifting up others. This is what Eliphaz said about Job in Job chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He write, Eliphaz says, Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Verse 4, Thy words have upholded him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. Isn't that a great testimony that Job had in that? Eliphaz, who was... Blaming Job for all that he was going through, recognized that Job was somebody that lifted up others. The book of Isaiah, 
tells us in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 3 and 4, Strengthen ye the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. We ought to point others to the Lord. We ought to lift them up by encouraging them and putting an arm around them and saying, you know what, brother, it's going to be okay. God is with us. Yes, this is a difficult time. And I tell you, we weep with those that weep. I mean, we might be sight unseen, but we weep with those that weep. And we experience pain of our brothers and sisters. And oh, that we might have a heart to lift up others. We ought to exhort and comfort the feeble-minded. Now you say, brother, I don't think that's very much of a compliment. You call me feeble-minded. Uh, well, it means faint-hearted. This is in First Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse number 14. It means faint-hearted. We're to comfort the faint-hearted. We are to support the weak. Listen, you know the society in which we live. You know, by virtue of being alive, that we are, we, are, we are going to be confronted with challenges, with difficulties. We need not give up the fight. We need not become despondent. We need not become defeated. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. God is in control. May we lift up others with those encouraging thoughts. May we learn how that Paul communicates this concern for the weary and that we would also communicate that to him. We look to, to the context to understand the causes of weariness. And yes, lift up as we are commanded. Look to the weary. Lift up the weary. Christ Jesus deserves to be exalted in the lives of his people. As we looked at in Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 21 during the first message, he came to save his people from their sins, and he has done that. We ought to lift him up, brother.